Hey everybody, it's me Jake. I can't hear you unless you talk into the machine. I said hey everybody, it's me Jake. Um, it's the Jake this Jake Johansson podcast. I know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. No, I don't. I don't know what you're thinking. Because I haven't been here. I haven't been here for a while. I know I said that I was going to, and then I didn't, but I was, and I meant to, and I got sick. That's, look, excuses are like assholes. That's a charming expression. Everyone's got one. I don't know. Well, that's the whole charming expression. But <clears throat> that is my excuse. I got sick. I got some kind of a coffee schnazzy thing, and I got it from my daughter. I'm blaming my daughter. How about that? My excuse is I blame my daughter. She's 11 years old, and it's all her fault. She doesn't even know that this is happening. She can't defend herself, but uh, I think I got it from her. I think she got it from one of those other kids at school who, Lord knows what kind of terrors they're exposed to, but it's making us all stronger for the future, for the future days when we're on our own to, to have our own immune systems help us out of whatever kind of jam we're in that's caused by the lives that we're living. And I'm talking about our collective lives. But let's let's not worry too much about that right now. Guess what? I've got some gigs coming up. I have had I've had some good times. I mean I was sick, but I wasn't too sick to do some gigs. I was up in Seattle and uh, I spoke to a very nice gentleman who had emailed me ahead of time named Richard Green, and he is a uh, computer game designer, and uh, he wanted to be on the podcast to talk about the singularity, which is sort of, we sort of talked about that, and that's what's going to happen. This episode is you're going to listen, if you dare, to the conversation I had with him. But first, I'm going to tell you about the other places that I've been going and I've been. I also went to Albany. Thanks, everybody, who came out to Albany, to the Funny Bone at the Crosscates Mall. Boy, malls are fun aren't they? <laughs> Just when you thought you were done with them all, they suck you back in. So uh, thanks for that. Right now, tonight, I'm going to do a show in the Bay Area. So thanks if you're coming out to the We're Curing Breast Cancer. tonight. This is it. After tonight, it's all over. So if you were worried about getting breast cancer, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's going to get cured tonight. If not, I'm going to be disappointed. But at least we're going to have a good time helping to support uh, prevention and treatment of breast cancer tonight here at the Bay Area um, concert at the California Shakespeare Theater in Orinda, California. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. Look, these are things that's already happened. What hasn't happened yet? Well, from your point of view, who knows? But November 5 and 6, I'm going to be in Chicago, Illinois at the Zanies there on Well Street. November 7th, I'm going to be at the Rosemont Zanies. November 27th, I'm going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Pabst Theater. They have a smaller side theater, and that is now, those those, that's, those are for real, and they're up. You can go to their website and, I think, find that gig. November 28th, those are, that's the Friday and Saturday right after Thanksgiving. So the 27th, I'm in Milwaukee. The 28th, I'm back in Los Angeles at the Melrose Improv. They call it the Hollywood Improv. Improv, not the Improv. And then I'll be in Portland, Oregon the beginning of December the 2nd through 5th at Helium. Oh, this is exciting, isn't it? New, breaking news, I'll be at the Portland, Oregon Helium Comedy Club December 2 through 5 Portland, Oregon. Then December 10 through 12, I'll be in Indianapolis, Indiana at Morty's Comedy Joints December 10 through 12. And then please, also, do not forget to report to the Irvine Improv and that is the weekend after that Indianapolis date. I don't know what the exact dates are. It's not on my website. I'm relying on myself for this information and you know that that can be dodgy based on how long you've waited for this episode of the podcast but it's here i'm here you're here and thank you and thank you to my guest this week richard green who as i mentioned is a computer game designer of roughly the same vintage as i and uh, he is a listener to the podcast and heard me a couple episodes ago who knows how long ago that is in time for either one of us, but it's a while. Um, and he was nice enough to say, hey, I'd love to come on and talk to you about the singularity. I can tell you're struggling with some stuff. And then he also sent me an email after we talked about uh, how we're both at uh, this point of our lives and we're looking for things. He recommends uh, um, a couple of things. Well, I'll tell you his recommend his life recommendations after we listen to this conversation that he and I had. And when I say we, I mean we. I mean us. I'm going to listen to this too. You think 
it's important just for you to listen to things that I've said. I need to listen to things that I've said because I want to get my shit together, ladies and gentlemen, and get on with my life. I want to be the best version of me that I possibly can, and that's what I want you to be. And then I want us both to meet at the comedy club somewhere, possibly a mall, and it doesn't even have to be a comedy club. Maybe it's going to be a music club or a bar, or maybe it's going to be a country club or some kind of hotel banquet facility. But at some point in the future, we're going to meet somewhere in a room, and I'm going to tell you some funny stories about who I am, and as they're formulating and reformulating into newer and better versions of themselves, and we are doing the same with ourselves, uh, that night is going to be a special night, and hopefully it will be, this is just a precursor to that. Anyway, hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here's a conversation that I had with Richard Green next week, next week, and not it's not even going to be next week. I'm hoping to get this episode, I'm not sick now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on the mend, and I'm coming home. I had an unbelievable conversation with a friend of mine, Ricardo Flanagan, and he's going to be the next episode of the podcast, and that is going to be ready as soon as I get home and get that put together. But first, for your listening pleasure, we're talking about the singularity, ladies and gentlemen. We're also talking about uh, computer game design and uh, just general ways and things about how to live your life. You know, it's this conversation is a, is a representative of the type of a conversation that I could have with a person. And Richard is the best type of a person to have a conversation with because he's into it. And I know you're into it. All right. Let's, why don't we, let's, I think we should do it. Do you think we should do it? I think we should do it. Okay, so what I do is I take the... I'm going to stop talking now, then I'm going to take the music out, and then we're going to start talking to the talking. I had it go wrong where I think that I'm recording. I mean, let's not rule out that this could be good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I have confidence. Yeah, so... <laughs> okay, so this... I'm going to have to plug what this is beforehand, but basically... You listened to me talking about the singularity, which, you know, then I had to Google the singularity because I, I wasn't sure that I that we were even talking about the right thing. It turns out there's a lot of nonsense about the singularity. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it's, it's sort of when a, the AI consciousness wakes up, right? Is that it? It's, it's yeah, when it, when it sort of goes like critical mass, where it all just sort of like hooks up and joins up and, and discovers it can discover itself I guess you know what I mean yeah and the, then it can make more of itself it yeah, can make more it, machines it basically and, becomes self-aware mm-hmm. I mean that's that's basically the, I think the term they use all the time is it becomes self-aware that I am something I can build on what I have and I have unlimited resources now so therefore you guys are completely screwed right well, well but that's the whole point is that we are evolving into that I mean, that's a thing that we created, or maybe it's not our evolution. But if we could download our consciousness, we could potentially we could be a part of it, or something we know could be a part of it. But see, and my big question was, do we really want people to do that? I don't think we do. No, because, I think it's a bad idea. Because I think, one, you've got geniuses, and you go, okay, yeah, we really want those guys to download their consciousness. So, like, in hundreds of years, it'll be like, you know, looking up Newton or something, and you can say, ooh, that was his thought process, that's how his brain worked, mm-hmm. you know? But there's not that many people around like that, really, is there? That you'd really want to well, preserve. This is forever? what I keep. My wife and I go around about this because she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to get downloaded into the computer. But I'm saying it's that's what we're going to do. Ideally, best case scenario for us is right before we're going to cark it. That's her expression. We're going to die. Right. Then. Uh, we just download our all our memories and our thought process into the internet, and then we kind of get immortality that way. So it's it's like, hey, it, it's better than being dead. Is it for who? Well, for us, we're well, going to be in you there. Mean us but, as a species. Well, no, us as individuals. Except what's going to happen is it's not going to be. You've got your little file folder that's you, Richard, and I've got my little file folder that's me, Jake, and then we interact and have conversations because. We're also going to be connected to everything else that's on the internet. Oh, I see. So it's going to be just a stew of just like everybody's just going to go into the pot and it's all just going to disperse. Whatever our intention and was at the beginning, it's all going to disperse into into one mass right. so, giant well, consciousness. I'm, I'm, see, now I was always looking at it as like the individual would be retained. 
you know, that you would actually be able to, like, look up, you know, specific individual people. I'm thinking, that's a big mistake. I think that's wishful thinking on a lot of people's <laughs> part, that that's what's going to happen. Because I think realistically, there would be some decision to swirl it all together. Yeah. And, and, and it probably is inevitable for it to swirl all together anyway. Because if you were even slightly, let's say all you cared about were romance novels, you would read, you would immediately know all of the romance novels that had ever been written and uploaded to the internet. Right. And you'd be done with that. And then you would be curious about some other thing that you had read in the romance novel. And then you would instantly find out about all of that. And pretty soon, everything would be connected to everything. And this then, is my and guess, huh? And then there's not even a time delay, because basically the moment you think it, it's done. Right. If you're in that sort of like, you know, that, that mechanical global consciousness thing, you know, it's not like a, a lifetime going, I really need to read more. I should read this stack of books. And that will take you 10 years to get through that stack of books. You know? No, it's going to be over right away. Yeah, it's so not you're going like, to get oh, you... really bored really fast. Is... <laughs> well, you're going to become everything all at once, and then, and then you're going to build a tiny little spaceship to launch your, you know, seed to another place where you can colonize that or acquire information. But see, now, I have arguments with friends of mine, not arguments, clever discussions about the... Right, because you're clever. Oh, yeah, well, clever, clever. Um, that they're putting, like an, like, an intention and a purpose on it, that people would somehow still have goals. Like, uh, would you really... If you were in this giant melting pot of intelligence, would you really have goals after... Uh, after all of that, like, would you would you would you read all the romance novels and then go? Okay, I need something else to do. You know, I need a hobby. I should like take up some. You know, start doing some needlepoint or something. I take so, the romance novel thing to be. I that was maybe me being mean to people who <laughs> love romance novels. It's not something that I'm into, but I do like science fiction. So let's say it's all science fiction. But yeah, that's not even really a. That's like a. That's like a retired person goal, not a. You know, I don't think you would have goals as we know them now. Like, what, 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 what's, what are some of your goals? Tell me about your dreams. <laughs> um, oh gosh, uh, uh, my goals. I don't know. Secret? Is it private? Uh, I don't know if it's private, but you know, it's it's um, it's interesting because I think one of the reasons I connected so much with I've been I have to just like let it out a little bit, saying I've been a really big fan for years. I saw you when I was in college, and I hope that doesn't make you feel old, because I'm only a couple years behind you. I'm catching up. Sweet. Yeah, I feel like we, um, to look at you, it seems like we're the same age. But I have that sense. That happens to me. Does that happen to you where you're, look, you, you're sort of talking to people, and then all at once you realize that you're 20 years different in age? Or? Oh, oh, God. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm glad it's not the, like, I've had people come to me. I've been working in video games for almost 25 years, and I've had people come to me and say, oh, I played that game when I was five, and yeah. I was 35. It just know? rolls off you And now. it just, that's, that, that hurts at the time, but, you know, now it's, you know, it, it is what it is. But, um, so, uh, yeah, the goals thing, I think, is one of those things that, like, you know, you formulate throughout your youth. And this kind of leads into, if you could upload your intelligence, like, at the end of your life, is that really the best time to be doing it? No, it'd be better to do it now, right, or when you're in your prime. Or maybe or when, back when I was 35, you know, a little sharper. Yeah, except, little, but, then, uh, but then, as soon as you do that, then, then there's this divergent path between the computer version of you right. and the, the live version of you. And the ideal thing is for you to transition over to that and then your flesh body to be done so you have one continuous, continuous timeline as opposed to the two timelines that share the same um, origin. And one would have considerably less wisdom, of course, because it's, <laughs> it's yeah, the stupid 20 years meet behind you. you or something. You know? Well, the stupid meet you, then it would still, that would that would become sort of a sad, it'd be like your relative that, oh yeah, that dumbass, I, but he, I gotta put him on the guest list to come to the show or whatever it is. <laughs> That's how you would look at your old flesh. I was self. thinking if, if, you know, if I was a writer and, 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 I, and I kind of dabble a little bit, if I was a serious writer, that would actually be a pretty interesting story of like, you, you that divergence and then re-meeting yourself like, you know, 20 years later. Well, or your computer self becomes the caretaker for your meat self. <laughs> and then they do some kind of technological technological breakthrough where your meat self just keeps... it's The ter deterioration slows unbelievably. Like, you thought you were going to die of old age, but now right. you're sort of preserved in your dotage. Would it be like a meat cute kind of rum cum sort of... Thing or <laughs> I think I don't know. Oh, a rom com would be great, where your robot self hooks up with your wife's robot self. Yeah, and, that'd be really narcissistic. Yeah, that would, that, that's a good one. 
well, it's all narcissistic. I mean, this whole idea that somehow anyone is going to allow us... If there's any gatekeepers at all, they're not going to be doing comedians and... Well, see, that's that's where I get, you know, that's where when I have discussions with friends about it, and, and, and we've gotten pretty deep into it, you know, with that coming from, you know, the computer world, it, you know, things aren't meant to connect and talk to each other. It's not, I mean, we have enough trouble as it is just getting, you know, the ATM to work or the, you know, or when the banks go down, you can't buy anything at the register or... You know, Max can barely talk to PCs, you know, that kind of thing. Well, um, we think about it. I, I think civilian people think about it as more of a possibility because I'm always dealing with just the technology that I just bought, which is the new laptop. And so it works with all the things that it gets plugged into. But the reality of the technological world where, where things really do have to talk to each other is like American Airlines who I fly all the time, has all these old computers that have to talk to other old computers that mm-hmm. then talk to some old ticket machine. And it's it's like a nursing home yeah. of electronic... It's terrible. They're running on 20-year-old software. It you doesn't... Know, that's, 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 it's what they bought you know 20 years ago and they installed it across their entire system and they've just patched it and upgraded it you know all these years. And mm-hmm. I, it's hard to imagine that something at that level advancing up to the next level or being able to suddenly be, uh, you know... In, like accessible by these other means, you know. Yeah, my wa- my wife doesn't want to get downloaded onto the internet because uh, she thinks that's going to be creepy. Hi. Somebody wants to buy you a drink. Oh, like? I'm I'm just going to have water now, but maybe after the show. I'll okay. Have a drink. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. People are buying me drinks. The show hasn't even started. This it's exciting. very crowded out there for so early. Is it crowded? Well, I yeah. It looks like it could be a good night. Who knows? This podcast is really. Helping, <laughs> yeah. And when you when you mention my name on there, people will just you know be telling all their friends. Well, let's about talk it. about okay. You know? What was I saying though? My wife my wife doesn't want to get downloaded into the internet because she thinks it's going to be creepy. And I keep trying to explain to her like that's what we're going to do as an alternative to being dead. It's better than being dead. But then she she doesn't see it as it's a, it it's potentially inevitable. I feel like you're right. We should put it off as long as we can. But these machines are eventually going to wake up and talk to each other. You know, we think that they can't, or the examples of what we have now are pathetic. But the new things that are people are unlocking their doors to their house. They get these locks that hook to Wi-Fi, and they can open up their house from somewhere else or change their thermostat from their phone uh, on the Internet. And so eventually all of those, you know, that thing where your refrigerator has scanned all the barcodes of the things that you put in it, and when you're out of things, it orders new things from Amazon.com. And that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really quite um, comfortable with living in that world. You know, it's um, it, it, it may be headed there, and it in, in a lot of ways it sort of already has, but... This is why we die, though. I feel like this, I, in the modern you know, world... It's a good finish, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a smooth finish, like, and... Uh, you know, it's it's it's. I, I think there's there's some uh, uh, there's there is kind of no finality to anything anymore. It seems like you know everything is on the internet. Everything is recorded. People are shooting pictures and movies, and 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 everything is being sort of saved. You know, in perpetuity. I mean, the amount of data that's been collected over like the last like you know thirty or forty years of the computer age mm-hmm. is just astronomical. I mean, they can't. They don't even know what to do with it. I do these tech events where they talk about that. They talk about, like, it's been a while since I worked for Symantec, but they're into this data security business, right? And so they talk about how rapidly we're saving everything and copies of everything and redundant, you know, through time archives of things. And how we're ever going to be able to make heads or tails or dig through it. I mean, it's as if we're just throwing everything in the barn in our in our grandkids are going to have to go through it. It's a real hoarding mentality, isn't it? Like, uh, all the data, we're just, we're just hanging on to it until we sort of find a use for it. Well, there's going to be know? a power failure or a flood or, I mean, all of those yeah. pictures, you used to have a box full of photographs of, you know, your dead relatives and oh, stuff. Oh, I still do. <laughs> yeah, well, you do and I do, but now my daughter, most of her photographs, she has some photo albums, she's 11, from when she was first born, before it everything was digital but now it's mm-hmm. like you take a picture of her on your phone you show it to her and then it goes to your hard drive 
never gets edited or tag. You know, it has whatever tag yeah. it has on it. And then you hope that someday in the future you're still going to be able to look at that or it'll still exist there. Yeah, but, you know, just 10 years ago, I had, I just, you know, when I do a cleaning, I, I, I got rid of a bunch of old hard drives. I got rid of a bunch of old, uh, I don't know if you remember, zip disks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had stacks and stacks of zip disks, and I'm like, well, I haven't put these in the machine for 10 years. I bet they're not that important, so I destroyed them all and threw you them out. You just threw them away? You didn't yeah. even look at them? No, I, I, don't, I don't even think I had a port that would plug into the machine that I have. you got to save your machine. That's my yeah. advice to people out there. you got to save your machine, because now you're living in the way. You're American Airlines. You threw away the machine that tells you how to get to Cleveland. But, I'm, but you know, you got to let go of the past. you just got to move on and just... I'm not. I'm not a new adopter at all. I'm. I'm. I'm happy to wait for someone else to buy everything and fix everything before I get it. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the letting go of the old stuff is. Um, well, it, it was pretty refreshing, you know. And the fact that I couldn't remember what was on the disc probably helped. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've well, I've got all these old uh, mini discs, you know, from recording my show. Oh yeah. Because you now I record them on the phone, and so everything gets saved, and then all at once I'll try and record one on the phones full of all of these sets that I haven't listened to but for a while I had this mini disc recorder because that was a step up from micro cassettes before digital recorders you would well it is digital but it would record on these little do you know the, what I'm talking about oh yeah I have a mini disc recorder at home yeah these little square <laughs> things so I've got a box of them and they're I don't know 18 years old what am I going to do and they're analog so you really have to just sit and go through and listen to them it's not like you can just you, you know, can't jump to the jump next Jump to spot. a spot and just look at, oh, no, not that. You, know, it's, you can't it's, drag the file to the... No. No. I'm, so I, I look at the box. I've got the box and I have the player. Unlike you, you made a key move when you threw away the zip disk drive so that there was no way you could look <laughs> at the disks anymore. But uh, I still have the player and part of me hopes that when I put a disk in it won't work. And then I'll just be able to throw them away. Because you need that excuse to be able to yes. say, yeah. this is broken. How, how many episodes now. of my podcast have you listened to? So you know I'm a flawed <laughs> human being. This is the kind of thing that I get into Unlike in my own Unlike the rest mind. of us. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, none of us have any flaws. If, if the player didn't work, it wouldn't be worth it to me to buy a new mini-disc player to listen to these discs, which are probably... It's like now this terrible job to listen to these things for for why what am i listening for in case there's a joke that i forgot that i can still do what why there's well, not see, that's what we haven't set we haven't set these boundaries we haven't set time boundaries to things everything now is you recorded those with the idea that you know in a maybe in a year or two you could review them and and take anything valuable off of them and and use it if you if you had a way yeah. to incorporate yeah. it or something but after you know 10 15 20 years there's you know, other than sort of nostalgic value, there's really you know not much you know useful in them anymore. Well, if they were ever going to, uh, I've given up on the museum of me, the idea that that's going to happen. <laughs> so, but I, I feel like at the beginning of my career, you know, you talk about your goals and your dreams, and you what you think is going to happen, and uh, there was definitely a like, well, I'm saving some of these things. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to take that suit to the Goodwill because I wore it on Letterman or I, or I did an HBO special in that. And then after a while, you're like, who? nobody cares about that right. suit. I don't care about it. Yeah, and I'm, just... the one, I'm the only person who wants that. So, yeah, realistically, we would be sick of ourselves. If we downloaded ourselves to the inter- Internet in 15 years, if we were able to then check back in with our Internet self, we'd probably be tired of it or bored. You'd or be those mini-discs. I, yeah, the meet me yeah, would be the mini yeah, disc thing, exactly, and yeah. I would be mad about the computer version yeah. or the computer version. And somebody in the future would be angry that they had to sit and watch you, you know, or watch the the, the, the consciousness of you. you it know. would be, but it but but it would because be because you and the twelve billion other people that you know had passed away at that time, you know, that yeah. that had all uploaded their. This is kind of the big fear, right? That one version of you is going to look down on another version of you. <laughs> Oh my God! It's already happening. That already happens. The me of today looks down on the me of last night. That happens. I think everybody does that, don't they? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I was looking down on the me on the way over here because I couldn't find my car keys. And you got to, so you came anyway, in spite of the fact that your babysitter flaked, and so your wife couldn't make it. And... Yeah, well, it's been a really rough, rough week. Uh, we've both been really busy at work, and and uh, we both work full time, so. Uh, and we have a ten-year-old boy, 
Yeah. Oh yeah, my daughter's eleven, so yeah. we're both in that same. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, wonderfully chaotic. So tell me about tell me about your job. I checked out your computer art is how I would describe it. But yeah, it's really weird. To, I, I always hesitate to call myself an artist because I'm, people have an immediate reaction, I think, to that of like you know that you're sitting and drawing nudes and drinking wine all day. And I was like, well, if that's a job description that I can apply for, I definitely would. But that's not the job that I do. So boy, that drawing nudes and drinking wine artist job—I think that was—that's been long gone. Uh, you know, I don't know. I have a couple friends that come close, but really? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, next time we got to have them on the podcast. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I, uh, I I studied industrial design and I did that for a while, and I thought I was going to go into make do movie special effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could kind of see the writing on the wall that that was kind of dying. The old old school effects, not computer effects. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it with models and miniatures and that kind of stuff. Little optic and, tricks. And yeah, and I was really into that when I was a kid, and I was making my own movies and things. And then, uh, and then I could just right when I was in college in the late '80s, that was, uh, you know, the com- com- we just got computers, and then right after that, we started doing all the. Uh, uh, I was doing industrial design, and I was doing it on computers, and I could just kind of see it happening. Uh-huh. That this old thing was going away, and. Uh, and then the, the the new you know everything was going to be done on computers you know games and movies and, yeah uh, and so I just uh, I had the opportunity to to uh, I did a couple other jobs that were sort of related to uh, the Lucas companies and I wound up at Lucas Arts um, for about five years and worked on Star Wars games and this is all back in the early mid nineties so were you were in the Bay Area then yeah oh yeah I yeah. lived in the Bay Area for eighteen years yeah. oh okay and uh, uh, originally from L A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orange County actually moved to LA to go to school, uh, Pasadena, and then uh, which I loved, but um, I didn't really want to stay in LA. Where'd you go to school? Art Center, uh-huh. up, in, up in the hills and up above the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. So you went to school as an artist, not as a computer. As an industrial designer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a little more. I always looked at it more as like, well, mo- all the movie special effects guys that I knew of were all industrial designers. And what does that mean, industrial design? Well, it's... Is it's, it like architecture, or is it like... It's like architecture for products. Uh-huh. It's basically, instead of designing buildings, you're designing uh, just about everything else that goes inside of buildings. Furniture, mm-hmm. equipment, electronics, uh, cars, I mean, you name it. Anything that's mm-hmm. manufactured and, and designed, it has to have somebody sit in a studio and come up with the design. That's an industrial designer. Are you a handy carpentry kind of person? Oh, I love building stuff. Yeah, I have a shop in my garage, and, and I love working around the house, and, and I love doing all. That. I like doing that more than being on computers. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do that full time if I could. If there was a if there was a career in that, but it's, there's really not anymore. Yeah, building building cool stuff is no. I I, I try to uh, you know I just pretty much do what I need to do around the house, and that that it sort of keeps me busy with the with the building part. But uh, the um, and then I just I, I just sort of fell into video games and I never really played that many games and I wasn't really that into it. I wasn't a hardcore gamer, didn't hang out in arcades, uh, mm-hmm. but it was they were doing 3D spaceships and Star Wars games and I was like, I'll do that. So you're making the sets and the objects inside of the game. That's all in the computer, yeah. yeah. And this was back around like '92, and uh, and it just sort of uh, took off from there. I mean, that was sort of the beginning of like the the, the new era of gaming you know gaming gaming was pretty crude before that in terms mm-hmm. of the graphics and what kind of tools do you use is it kind of hands-on does it feel like doing physical art or does it more feel like crunching numbers to um writing it's a, code you know, it's a keyboard and a mouse and just pushing things around the screen a lot so it is kind of physical art well you know if, if you're more on the on the like there's people who are concept artists and they'll actually paint on the computer and that's actually very much like traditional drawing and painting in, in the sense of you're actually you know using your hands and moving mm-hmm. and gesturing and doing those kind of things but me I pretty much you know I'm on a keyboard and a mouse just clicking and typing uh, it's it's not uh, it's not a particularly fun interface to, <laughs> to work that uh-huh. way but um, you know the tools are you know the, the 3d programs and the paint programs and things we use are you know they're menu heavy very technical you know, mm-hmm. kind of stuff and and uh, and uh, you know, I've just you know, I've just gotten relatively comfortable with it over you know, 20, 24 years. So, do you think maybe because you're such a, a nuts and bolts user of the computer, like I'm using the computer to record this and stick it on the internet, interact with people on social media, 
make a video or or like that. And so the idea of going inside the computer to me, you know, to, just to circle back to this mm. whole singularity, that that's what we're <laughs> supposed to be talking about. Um, it seems kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to the place where I do the fun thing. But do you think maybe it's different for you because your interaction with computers is so much different? Um, I would say, yeah, because I, I just have a really a slightly cynical and very practical-minded attitude toward computers. And I think a lot, a lot of my peers, I think, are a lot more optimistic and a lot more um, excited about, like, new things in computers. And, you know, they all want to just, you know, put VR goggles on and just live in that world, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really sound that appealing to me. I mean, it's fun, and, and I've done it. But um, it, it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just an age thing or, you know, I mean, after you do something for, you know, 25 years, it's, you know, the, these, these, the kids that I work with are, you know, they're in their mid-20s or, mm. you know, they're, they're out, right out of school and they're, this is, you know, they're working at a games company and they're pretty much living their dream, you know. Um, yeah, well, everybody's more excited about their career and life and all of that stuff when you're, you're in your 20s, you have that. Yeah, and I'm still excited about it. I still love that I get to do what I do. I mean, it's really, it's... Gosh, compared to other things mm-hmm. that I could be doing or that I thought I'd be doing, and this is fantastic. Um, I'm not. I'm not trying to be, you know, bitter or angry or, you know, uh, not not uh, grateful about it. But um, it's it's. But I yeah. But I am far more pragmatic about it. Like I think, you know, I, I just you know, I'm not a fan of hardware. It breaks all the time. It dies mm-hmm. all the time. It, uh, it it's very inconvenient when you need to deliver something to a client. Uh, it's. Are you a Mac? Do you work on a Mac or a PC? I'm PC, mm-hmm. all, all PC. And uh, uh, I started out on a Mac actually back in the late '80s, early '90s, but then pretty much switched to PC because that's where the software was that I needed, mm-hmm. um, engineering and 3D software and stuff. So, yeah. but um, yeah, I, yeah. To go back to the to the singularity thing, I, I think that's where I get it. Is like I deal every day with with. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I used to do a lot of recruiting and going out and giving talks at colleges and things like that for, um, for you know, art schools and design schools and, and where kids were studying to, you know, go into games and movies and special effects and stuff. And I always, uh, you know, they, they think they're just going to be doing art all the time and are not. And really, art, so-called art, in air quotes, in video games is about 90% troubleshooting. You know, it's the actual time that you actually create something that's artful, you know, that's a shape or a color or a value or a scene or something like that is relatively small compared to the actual technical act of creating it and then getting it to work in the game. So, so just to, to, for me, I want to say an example to make sure I'm understanding. So like when the, when the person who's playing the game comes into the room and looks around to make sure that the, the table doesn't flicker or right. do a weird thing that it acts like a real object in the real world to keep to maintain that that's the kind of stuff that you have to deal with all the time right and that's uh, you know and, and there's just there's there's a lot more involved than most people realize and even the simplest games can be fairly complex in how they're put together mm-hmm. and um, so it just becomes a lot of technical troubleshooting is what mm-hmm. you do a lot of and when, so when I see that, I, and then people start talking about, you know, the singularity or machines are going to talk to each other, there's going to be this, this consciousness and everything. I'm like, well, I don't think people really understand just how much human input is necessary just to keep the lights on right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. as opposed to that somehow these machines are going to become intelligent and take over and be able to... Well, they would have to be able to maintain themselves because otherwise they're just going to they're going to rust or there's going to be a rain leak in the hard drive that we all live on is going to... Right, be and, and, is, or... and is that machine going to be able to talk to the janitor machine down the hall? And will the janitor machine give a shit about them not getting rusty? Or the janitor people? The janitor people are eventually going to go like, "What are we? Why are we keeping these things dry?" Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, it, it's I, th- that's the other thing. That's a good point because I don't think that there's never going to be that point where all the machines suddenly are able to communicate with each other. It's going to be that gradual process of there's going to be machines and there's going to be people. And the people are just going to get slowly displaced by the machines in specific jobs here and there, just like they're already doing right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, and it's kind of just like the old days, you know, of like, you know, it used to take, I don't know, how many people did it take to, you know, you know, run a train or something in the Old West or something? And then as soon as they were able to 
automate a couple of jobs and put a couple of special things on the track that trip levers and stuff. They're like, hey, we don't need that guy to pull that lever anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we just drive right through and it gets pulled and boom, that somebody's job is done by a machine now. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like as soon as, you know, those people get slowly d- displaced, you know, the machines may be able to talk more and more to each other, but I'm not really sure. I mean, it it just seems like such a long way off that people aren't going to just put the brakes on at some point, you know, and just say, you know. Maybe we are, yeah. although, you know, I feel like they've got, I was looking on uh, on the Internet the other day at this article about, computer journalism where where they put the stats for a sporting event in oh, right. yeah. and and the and the the program has learned jargon for if the points are this spread and something happens in this short period right. of time then you call it a, a comeback or a come from behind and so there's these computer generated articles about sporting events that are not great but they're not terrible like if you're just some guy who's reading the paper in the morning checking up on his team you, you may already be experiencing that. And so it could get out of control before we realize that it's time to put the brakes on. That's true because you don't really, I mean, there's, there's certain situations that certainly don't demand editorializing, you know, that you can just put in the stats mm-hmm. and just say, you know, this paragraph is, you know, the results of the game and this one is who got injured and this one is next week's opponent. You know, right. that's the structure. And it just plugs in the names and numbers. And yeah, that I mean, they do that already, like you said. But... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard, it's really hard to say. I've always had this thing about I'm a big science fiction fan too, and I, you know, there's this attitude of like uh, I always think back to uh, like the what is it the first men in the moon the one where they shoot the giant cannon at the moon you know oh, yeah, it's got yeah, the yeah. giant like bullet shaped you can you watch know. that on Netflix I just came oh, across yeah. it the other day and I put it on my queue and it's so absurd but it, the the thing that I love about it is I love. From a design standpoint, I love how the cannon and the and the and the bullet just looks like a giant cannon, and it's got giant rivets on it, and it's all made of iron, you know, and it's got this ridiculousness to it that is completely within the bounds of the technology that they knew at the time, mm-hmm. you know, that, that there were trains, and that even when they built the first cars, they had really heavy, you know, iron frames, you know, they, there was no aluminum and there was no, you know, fiberglass and you know all mm-hmm. these things that we use now. And so everything is looked at through the lens of whatever the current technology is. And so we're sure. sitting here looking at, you know, oh, computers aren't going to be able to talk to each other. But, you know, who really knows? In 20, 30, 40 years, the languages that are developed and, and the, the methods that they use to, to interconnect machines could completely change, you know, on mm-hmm. a fundamental level. That, that it, you know, it's, it's the, you know, what they used to call horse and buggy thinking. You know, right, that, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I would never say that something wouldn't happen, but I would say, you know, given our past experience and given the path that we've gone down so far, I don't see it happening with the stuff, you know, the, the way things are now, mm-hmm. you know. And especially when, as soon as you add in all the other variables of things like cultural divisions and, you know, country, national security and, uh, you know, all these things where they're trying to put up walls between things, uh, th- that's going to affect it all, too. Well, it's, it, it is interesting to see how our defense against terrorism is all geared towards physical things that happen in the real world when really the power grid and the Internet structure of our banking, that's really the where the danger damage could be caused. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, well, I don't know if we should go down this path. Or yeah, not, well, the global <laughs> telecommunications, yeah, everything. But I mean, the, I, you know, whenever they talk about, you know, terrorist attacks, I always, you know, uh, you know, I, I, um, I don't think people like to think, you know, well, what could be the worst case scenario? What could be the worst thing that could happen? But it just seems like sometimes disaster, major disasters are so much simpler and easier to perpetrate than, than than people would think, you know? And I don't maybe they just don't talk about that because it's sort of panic inducing, you know. Well the whole thing that Fight Club, great movie. Do you like Absolutely. You've seen yeah, Fight Club? Movie, right. Yeah. So they're trying to destroy these giant credit card companies to throw to to generate this kind of global economic chaos. You right. know, that all this pretend money debt just instantly is deleted from these hard drives. Right. And if something like that happened, it would be... Uh, ah, it would... It would hiccup 
in every aspect of our lives. I think it, I think it would, but I actually think that people would be a lot more resilient than people think. I really do. I think that people, you know, to, and, 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 and not to try to be you know, purposefully uplifting, but I think that people, you know, I, people rally around disasters. They really do. I, and I, I was in the Bay Area. I've been through a couple of big earthquakes mm-hmm. and a bunch of, you know, other earthquakes down in L.A. when I was growing up. And um, there was a couple that were big enough that you kind of felt, you know, mm-hmm. we need to band together and not be jerks to each other right now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I don't think it would be disastrous that way. But our but our economy would be it would be this weird thing where you would you would instantly regret that you hadn't maintained a ro- rolling balance on your credit card. You know, oh, it's all deleted. <laughs> yeah. If only I had owed my fifty thousand dollar credit card balance, right. that'd be great. I, I have a feeling that they're just gonna they're gonna be able to hold on to that. Debt yeah, they've somehow. got it backed like, up. They, you know, they, they've got a subterranean hard drive. Absolutely. I don't know. There's a TV show on actually right now called Mr. Robot that, that had the really similar theme. It's a great show, by the way, but um, they, they had the same thing. They were bringing down, the hackers were going to bring down the credit system, uh-huh. the banks, and everything would just fall apart. And when it happened, I thought it was a pretty neat depiction of, like, he, he kind of goes through it and goes, this isn't really what I expected would happen, you know? Mm-hmm. There's just too many variables and too many social implications that I don't think that you could take into account. To, to, to accurately predict to know anything like that. To, to predict it, yeah and, yeah. and they did the same thing, though. They went after, like, you know, the main records, but they also tried to go after, like, all the storage facilities where all the backups were. Uh-huh. And the, you know, so they, they tried to cover all their bases in the, you know, in the writing of the show. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it just seems to me that when, when, when a company is owed, you know, $20 trillion, they're not just going to... They're not going to forget who owes them. Yeah, that's money. not written on a piece of paper in somebody's pocket. You know, that's... Yeah. It's, it's buried in a in a cave in Mexico somewhere. So what's the show called? Mister Robot. Mister Robot. Yeah, that's a oh, it's a fantastic show. And I, what's it on? It was on USA Network. Uh, they just they just finished their first season. I'm curious about it. I can't watch Hulu though. Uh, it was on. Uh, well, I was actually. Um, I'm so old fashioned. I actually pay for uh, shows. Oh um, right, I could buy it on iTunes. You could buy right? it on iTunes or on Amazon, where I bought it. Uh, yeah, and it's you know a couple dollars an episode. Completely worth it. I mean, Amazon cinematic- doesn't let you. Download it though, at least just it, streaming. Yeah. yeah, you can just stream it, which which makes me feel like, you know, do you own anything? Do you right. own anything? Like when you die, okay, you're not going to have a box of DVDs of Mr. Robot, but who wants to watch Mr. Robot? Exactly, and like who wants to look at the old mini discs or listen to the old mini discs? You know, it's well of my shows, but I like to think I can't even get my wife to watch Lost. But uh, which I enjoyed. It was it was a worthy show for its time, you know. Yeah. It's, I, that's the kind of show I could actually sit and maybe watch. And I could watch half of it again. The, the later half kind of just fell apart. But I don't know. Once I bought in, I was gone with it. So do you play? So I feel like the show's going to get started. So yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to drag. I think, I think you're, you're needed somewhere. Yeah. Um, but do you play games? You design ga- games. Uh, I, you know, I basically just uh, I test our games. Mm-hmm. Like while I'm playing and I'm implementing things, and then we'll have. You know, we'll just sort of all hands on deck. You know, play the game, try to break stuff, and fix things. And it's 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 more uh, in that realm. So it's not playing for fun. It's trying to see like, if, what if I do it this way, or whirl around, and then push this other button? Yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll play basically just to, to test my stuff out, and then I'll mm-hmm. play to do general play testing, like if if, if it's necessary. I, I'll play a tiny bit on you know my son plays a little bit. Um, the guys that you're working with, the 20 year old guys, are they? Do they love to play? Oh, they're hardcore. They come in. Yeah. They come in at you know ten, eleven in the morning because they've been up till four, you know, playing you know, um, Call of Duty or. Because we're you know, we were old enough that when we were in our twenties, there wasn't you couldn't be playing those kind of games. No, but yeah, you couldn't, and uh, I, I, somehow I still managed to stay up till three or four in the morning. But uh, I was usually doing other things. But what do you do until three or four in the morning nowadays? Oh, not now. I mean, when I was younger. Yeah, that's And it wasn't video games. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. No, now it was more real world kind of things. Uh, no, that's, that's, those were many years ago that I could that keep those kind of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, uh, I, no, it's, I just don't find the, the time. I, I think there's a lot of neat stuff out there, but um, again, I'm not an early adopter. I don't need to have the VR setups when they come out and uh, Oculus Rift. I only yeah. know to say that I don't it even looks know neat. what it is. It's yeah. fun to look at and and it's uh, you know there's there I think there's some promise in it. We'll see what happens with it. You know it's I think it's very untested and very 
it, it's it, it's a solution in search of a problem. You know. It's, well, I mean, but the but the, always the problem the problem is always porn at the beginning, right? <laughs> I mean, the the thing that they go, look, we can put on these goggles and go into a virtual world. What do you want to do? Have sex with a hot lady? Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. So you'll know that virtual virtual reality is really good when like half of the dudes stop going to work. And I actually believe that they already have that. I haven't seen it myself, but I've, you know, just read articles about it, and uh, I'm sure it exists already, just sort of at the hacker level, people just throwing things together and using them on these the mm-hmm. systems you can get now. But, um, you know, nothing really, you know, very commercially available, just, you know... It's hard to it. advertise a sex robot. I mean, it's one of those <laughs> kind of. one of those things that when podcasts first came out, this thing called a Fleshlight was oh, yeah, yeah. sponsor of a bunch of podcasts, and That's it's right. basically this kind of fake vagina flashlight thing mm-hmm. that, you ha- that you actually have sex with. Right. If you're a dude, you have sex with this thing. And all these podcasts were advertising this thing. And it's just the most bizarre, <laughs> private, secret thing that they're like, well, we've got to sell these and people don't know they exist unless we advertise them. So they knew their user base. They knew who they were advertising yeah. to, right? Yeah. I mean, Hello, sex freaks. <laughs> um, thanks for thanks for listening. Um well, boy, I, this was this was great. I'm so glad that you reached out and you wanted to do this and come on the show. And uh, yeah, I hope you keep doing the podcast. I know it's uh, a lot of work to put it together and to, you know keep it on some kind of schedule. I, I don't know honestly how these other guys do it who just put out one a week. It just I don't know how they do it either. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do as I as I mentioned in the episode where you emailed me. I'm gonna try and do some more kind of rambly solo ones with a point I'm going to try and talk to people like you who are interested to to be on the show and I'm going to try and talk to the comedian friends that I have but I'm going to I'm going to try and keep doing it but I'm I I definitely need to find a way to make it a little bit easier because comedians now the first thing you're afraid is somebody's going to ask you to do their podcast not that Not that I don't want to be on a. I want to. I want us to all support each other. But man, we're just driving across town to record a conversation with a person. Yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to put a value on that. I mean, a, a, a return on investment of that. You know, that is this. Well, you know, it used to be just come over and let's hang out. But right. now it's come over, let's hang out, and then let's record it, and then let's put it on the internet, and so try and keep it moving. Yeah, you know? that's I. I it, it takes a lot of skill and. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm, 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 uh, I wouldn't say envious, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little, um, like I said, I'm a little in awe of people that can just do that, can just wing that stuff and just come out with so many shows all the time. It just kind of... Yeah, yeah. Well, tats off to Doug Benson, man. I don't even know how he can do he all of the stuff he does. Especially with his habits. <laughs> yeah, and stone. He's doing it all, and he's stoned the yeah, whole time. That really blows my mind that uh, that he seems to be about the hardest working comedian out there. And... Oh my god! And they're so good. I mean, if people are listening, check out Doug Loeb's movies. If right. you like movies, uh, that's an awesome thing. Getting getting Doug with high. And yeah. have you watched those? Oh yeah, on YouTube, yeah, they're, they're super fantastic. funny. My favorite episode is the Todd Glass, Sarah Silverman episode. I it just, I mean, I haven't watched all of them, but that one particularly just killed me, man. Anyway, thank you so much, uh, Richard, and uh, I'll see you out at the show. Yeah, gonna I can't go to the, I'm going to do so the glad. show. You're going to go to the been show. Great, thanks yeah, a lot. Awesome, man. <laughs> high five. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's right. The high five. Yeah. I was like, how could I forget the high five? How do you forget the high five, ladies and gentlemen? It's it's that's not easy to forget the high five. Hey, hello, sex freaks. Hello, sex freaks who listen to this show. How surprised was I to find out that it turns out that we already there's a virtual lady out there waiting to have sex with us. Hmm. Well, it makes you wonder what you're doing right now. I suppose you're driving somewhere, you're cranking it up on the treadmill. But when you get home, you can well there's a virtual man too. Look, let's not it's a little bit late in the game to be getting sexist right now. I think. Um, So thank you for listening, and thank you, Richard Green, for 
talking to me backstage at Laughs in Kirkland, Washington, and uh, Richard recommended, recommended a few things to me uh, besides Mr. Robot, which I still have not checked out, but I'm going to check out. He recommended uh, Jack Cornfield, who is a uh, Buddhist meditation kind of teacher person. I already knew about him, and he heard about jo- uh, Jack Cornfield on Joe Frank's radio show, which I used to listen to on PBS, and so those are awesome things that you can check out, Joe Frank and Jack Cornfield and Mr. Robot. And um, I don't know what else to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, except don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. You can procrastinate that giving up or, or you know, and don't beat yourself up and uh, let someone else do that, you know, or don't. No, that's not what I meant. I meant there are plenty of other people who want to beat you up. Don't just take it easy on yourself. All right. Because because I care about you and uh, I thank you for caring about me. And I thank you for listening to this. And uh, I'm super excited to go fight uh, breast cancer right now. I'm opposed to breast cancer. That's where I'm at with that. If you if you needed to put me down in your book, I'm opposed. I think I'm against all the cancers. I mean, I haven't I haven't met a cancer that I've liked. Um, so thank you again for listening. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn on the. This is what you do at the end. You turn on the music. You turn on the music. You turn on the music, and then it plays. And then, uh, and then it's the end of the show, and you get on with your life. And the next episode with Carlo Flanagan is coming up. He's coming up. He's hot, he's, he's hot out of the chute, and he takes you deep. All right, that's going to be soon. Sooner than you think. Sooner than I thought.